welcome back, welcome back. My name is Ebony, and this is another DMT Expresso that takes 15 minutes or less on a topic that is trendy, trending, or in my heart, in my mind. I'm still doing some episodes for Black History Month. I know I'm a little late, but I wanted to continue them and knock them out. So we are now talking about colorism and tokenism. By definition, uh, the Oxford Language uh, Dictionary found online, uh, colorism is defined as a prejudice or discrimination against individuals with a dark skin tone. Typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group, colorism within the black community has been a serious emotional and psychological battle. In quote, that is the definition of colorism. Talking about tokenism. Tokenism is this, the practice of making only a perfunctionary or symbolic effort to do a particular thing, especially by recruiting a small number of people from um, underrepresented groups in order to give the appearance of sexual or racial equality within the workforce. Uh, I.e., this is an example that was used uh, by the Oxford Dictionary. Uh, the use of gay supporting characters is mere tokenism. So... I felt it was important to kind of define these first before jumping into concepts of colorism and tokenism uh, found within the black community. Here's the thing. As long as we'll start with a little bit of to uh, colorism because tokenism kind of plays a key in what uh, has developed right from the psychological things of uh, people being able to minimize uh, that such things are happening. So here's the thing, as long as colorism has existed in, say, the black community or in America, there's actually been this, this vested interest that I was talking about in denying an existence of colorism. The term itself, colorism, did not actually appear uh, until 1983, um, and it was credited supposedly uh, to Alice Walker, um, and she was uh, writing in a text, classic uh, text, uh, about uh, this term. Um, in a book, in a text called Search of Our Mother's Gardens. Uh, before that, uh, you had words like Black Americans, they we would use words like colorphobia, color struck. Uh, so colorism is relatively a very new term to the American lexicon. But here's some examples of kind of how this works, right? Uh, colorism in, in and of itself isn't just... Uh, and a phenomenon here in America. It's actually a, a cultural global thing that uh, we've seen occur. Um, you have uh, what skin bleaching cream uh, that has been sold to the black community, not just here in America, but the worldwide. Um, and as far as we can actually tell, um, it's colorism by itself uh, kind of got a new term or a new meaning of the term when it came to the American culture and the system of chattel slavery. So this is where basically you saw this very, very prevalent, say a white male slave owner um, who had children with a black woman they enslaved, uh, basically contributed uh, continually to their own wealth. Um, also under the system, uh, you also had this terminology and this concept of proximity to whiteness, which basically increased a slave's or enslaved individual's chances of gaining freedom because they looked white. So this is kind of an understanding of what colorism was then. Um, once you're looking at colorism as it kind of progresses through time, uh, especially after emancipation, um, you actually get these kind of nuances uh, even within the community 
where you start talking about the amount of color in the skin, not just the color of the skin, being paramount for what mounted to uh, social and economic control. So this is where you get some of those concepts of the one drop rule. Uh, this is basically stating that even if you had one distant black relative meant uh, that a person was black. Um, and then you also had to think about the relatively that there was the concept that this, you were not white. So uh, this is how you began to try to define people. Um, as with the, most of the discussions, you start talking about uh, reconstruction and then you have the hardening of the codes uh, against black freedmen. Uh, and then it was even in this positioning of blacks based on the skin tone uh, that we could see even coming out of Louisiana. So you have a, a lot of what you call the Creos. Uh, but what was interesting is once you get into the 19th and 20th century, you even saw how colorism played parts in the hierarchy of church. So even black churches were, were divided by color uh, and basically political and governmental positions that were won based on complexion, uh, which again, this the muddies the arguments because there were counter arguments uh, against this supposed division uh, because you could, of course, right, deny and, you know, counter argument that uh, there was people that were, in fact, lighter skin, working in poorer classes, uh, and that um, you can basically come off and say an agreement could be made that uh, the color of your skin um, or the amount of pigment in your skin uh, did not, in fact, create a unfair advantage. But there is actually an interesting dichotomy when it comes to this term of colorphobia uh, that was within um, the black community. Uh, and if you were talking about from people without, you were talking about necrophobia, which is basically a uh, term for uh, what white people had, uh, was talking about uh, for black people within the community. So how does colorism play out in America? Um, I'm not, an old children's rhyme captures the definition of colorism and its inner working. And I want to read it for you now. If you're black, stay back. If you're brown, stick around. If you're yellow, you're mellow. If you're white, you're all right. This was an old children's rhyme. Um, it's particularly talking about um, colorism. So here's some points to understand and kind of bring you to the concept. So we talk about the first American United States president of America was the Honorable Mr. Barack Obama. Barack Obama, excuse me. And we even now... In 2021, we in America have the first female and black vice president of the United States, Mrs. Kamala Harris. But here's the thing in which is interesting when you start talking about the concepts of colorism is that they are in fact biracial and light skinned. Here's some other things to other examples to kind of think about. In 2016, when Zoe Saldana was uh, cast to play Nia Simone in a biopic about the singer, uh, she had to, she had to have prosthetics uh, to widen her nose, basically have uh, give her those distinctive features of uh, Nia Simone, uh, and also darkened makeup. Uh, instead of hiring someone of that particular skin tone and uh, like ability to the uh, singer, they in fact got someone that was of lighter skin, and there there was a lot of pushback when it came to this biopic. Another example is in 2002, Halle Berry was the first and only black woman to win Best Actress at the Oscars. 
2019, actually 2020, the nominations, right? Um, 2020, you had Renee Zellweger uh, for Julie Garland. She's her playing Julie Garden uh, for Judy. But then we also had, I think for like the second time ever, uh, you had Cynthia Arvaro, uh for her playing Harriet Tubman and Harriet. But, I mean, these are a little more prolific things that you could actually see in everyday um, life, right? Uh, because it's Hollywood and politics, uh, which are just very, very in-your-face examples of not only colorism, but this, what could be considered tokens that are rooted in colorism. So pulling back the polite veneer of society can be over-expressed. Um, there's these misuses, and in some way, it still affords a way to protect uh, a hierarchy for some people who think this. So generally speaking, colorism impacts potential earning. It can be seen as desirable and who is profiled as a criminal by police. Basically, those of lighter skin tones within the black community appear to have or has the perception to be offered as tokens and have seats at the important tables. It's kind of these two concepts are built in a historical understanding, but it is even more important to understand uh, this is someone, there's some people that say this is happening today. And in fact, our Vice President Harris could have been considered more palatable to the white community as opposed to a woman such as, you know, Keisha Lance Bottoms or Stacey Abrams. There are many that argued that their skin tone and maybe a little bit about them had something to do with the fervent manner in which they were denounced as a potential pick for a vice president when now President Joe Biden was selected as uh, the candidate. I just put this forward as an idea to understand a little bit more about what some people might be going through. Um, I know some people, again, will minimize the concepts, and I do believe we have come quite far than what our history says. But it is very, very telling that even now, in 2020, 2021, there was still this conversation about colorism and the use of tokenism and even in politics. So I put this forward. I thank you for listening, and I hope you come back again. This is uh, the first time I've done a video in a while, so I'm going to try to keep this up um, by 15 minutes or less. Again, I will one day do another different mug talk, but thank you guys for listening in. Sending peace, love, positivity, and good vibes. The next top will be coming to you soon. Have a great one.